Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. Welcome, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior. Thank you so much for joining me today. Unfortunately, not joining me today is Nando DeFino. Couldn't be here today. Uh, so we'll try it again next Thursday on a Nando Thursday. Uh, meanwhile, plenty to talk about here with or without Nando. Uh, more Manny Machado updates. That's just baked into the show <laughs> at this point. Uh, but also another Oriole uh, getting some interest on the trade market. So we'll talk about who that could be. Um, we've got uh, a bunch of two homer performances from Wednesday uh, to look at, and some of them are pretty much, you know, players you would expect, and some of them not so much. And uh, take a look at uh, a streaking Chris Davis and uh, some great pitcher performances. And going to take a look at a few players. Uh, I think this is a topic that I've broached before, but it's worth updating as we get closer and closer to the trade deadline and there's player movement and maybe some uh, some new opportunities coming around. So I'm going to uh, break down a handful of players who probably should be starters based on their skill set, uh, but currently are not uh, and see what potential path there might be for them to get a little bit more playing time in the second half. And this is not necessarily somebody I was planning on talking about, but what one player that you could put into that category is Luis Gohara, who the Braves just optioned back down to AAA Gwinnett. But this time when he goes down, he's going to get stretched out. And so there's a very uh, good chance that uh, Gohara could join the Braves' uh, rotation in the second half. Been a really, really rough uh, first half for Gohara uh, personally and on the field, uh, health-wise, a whole bunch of things uh, that have made it uh, less than ideal for Luis Gohara. Uh, as of right now, and again, I think you know we could close the book on him for the first half since he's going back down to Gwinnett. Uh, he's got a 5.95 ERA, has only pitched 19 and two-thirds innings. Uh, the strikeout rate is not really uh, up to par, uh, what we saw last year, both at the major league level and at the minor league level, just 22%. Uh, whereas last year it was 25.2% uh, when he was with the Braves and 31.2% when he was with Gwinnett last year. So, uh, and, and then Gohar's not really done that well, actually, even in the time that he spent, he's been sort of up and down between Gwinnett and the major league team. Uh, and it's, it's not really gone well for him in either place. So uh, I think he's certainly somebody who is worth stashing at this point, maybe not in shallower leagues, but I'd say certainly a 14-team and deeper, maybe 12-team if if you've got the room, because we've, we've certainly seen the potential. Uh, like I mentioned, those uh, strikeout rates from last season, um, 
you know, I think that there's uh, just a, a lot of potential there for him to make an impact in fantasy. So we'll uh, we'll see how that uh, develops for Luis Gohara. Uh, and other uh, not good news at all for uh, Garrett Richards. Uh, he was pulled from his most recent start the other night, and uh, it turns out that he has uh, damaged his uh, UCL. Once again, uh, I'm sure you remember from two seasons ago that he was diagnosed with uh, a UCL injury and decided to forego Tommy John surgery. Uh, and so now he's going to have to face that dilemma all over again. Uh, is he going to you know, go with uh, injections or is, is he uh, going to have surgery this time around? So there's been no decision as of yet, uh, according to the Orange County Register, but Richards is weighing his options. Uh, the Astros yesterday demoted Ken Giles to AAA in something of a surprising move, uh, despite the fact that Giles essentially had lost the closer's job with the Astros and uh, in the non-safe situations, pitched really poorly, had an ERA, uh, I think just under nine in the non- non-safe situations in which he pitched. So uh, going to AAA, and it's it certainly has been... Uh, Rumored about, uh, I have not seen anything definitive about it, that uh, the demotion, at least one of the reasons for it, was that uh, if you do a little bit of lip reading and you look at the last game that Giles pitched, he he had some choice words for A.J. Hinch when he came to take him out of the game. So that that might have been a factor. It certainly would not have helped Ken Giles' case, but, uh, you know, it's in some ways the reaction to it has been similar to the reaction of John Gray getting demoted that while Giles's outward looking stats, not very good, seemingly worthy of a demotion that uh, the peripherals weren't so bad for Ken Giles, at least some of them. But uh, uh, I would expect that he will be apt, be up uh, again uh, maybe shortly after the break. Again, that's just my expectation. I've not seen any, any report about that. Wouldn't expect to see. I mean, we have to see how this all plays out for Ken Giles. But whether he was, you know, when he was up, whether he had stayed up, going down, whatever the circumstances, Hector Rondon, for all intents and purposes, is the Astros' closer. Giles was not getting very many opportunities. He was brought, I think that that last game he was brought into, if uh, I'm remembering correctly, I think the Astros had a four-run lead. So Giles was being used in some situations like that. So uh, if he faltered, <laughs> then Rod Doan could be brought in basically to bail him out. He wasn't getting any real save opportunities anymore, though. So from a fantasy perspective, it's not really, I guess in, your, in case you were looking to Giles maybe for holds, it's not, to me, really an impact move. Uh, and, and if you were looking to Giles for holds, again, given his tra- recent track record, in pitching in not safe situations, it wasn't really worth the trouble. So uh, if you wanted reassurance that Hector Rondon is going to keep getting saves, uh, you certainly have it now. Uh, let's go to the Daily Machado update. According to John Heyman of FanCred Sports, the Yankees have made uh, what Heyman's terming a strong offer for Machado. Uh, didn't really offer other details uh, as of yet. Uh, but uh, Yankees apparently very serious in trying to get uh, Machado. Yankees also at least looking into Zach Wheeler. Been in touch with the Mets uh, about uh, Wheeler, according to Mark Carrick of The Athletic. Uh, Carrick also says, though, that a trade between the Yankees and the Mets seems unlikely. 
but apparently the Yankees have at least checked in on Zach Wheeler. I think it would make a whole lot of sense, maybe for both teams. Yankees certainly have the the prospects to deal. The Mets could use them. Uh, Mets aren't going anywhere this year, but Mark Carrick says it's not likely. So we'll just have to see if he is right about that. Uh, going back to the Orioles, the Phillies have contacted them in regard to a Zach Britton deal, according to NBC Sports Philadelphia. Uh, I mean, it's not terribly surprising that uh, Britton's getting some interest, and he has been better of late, although still not having great control. Uh, and I wouldn't expect if, if the Phillies did make a deal, I, I, I shouldn't say I wouldn't expect, I wouldn't assume that Britton would be the closer there. And again, Gabe Kapler being Gabe Kapler, there may be no closer down the stretch. I think it's, or at least I thought it was pretty safe to assume that that was Sir Anthony Dominguez, that he had pretty much uh, sewn up that role, even if Kapler wasn't going to say so. Uh, his use of Victor Arano in the past week or so has created a little intrigue there. I still think Dominguez is probably going to get the the bulk of the sea opportunities going forward. And frankly, given the way that Dominguez has pitched, as opposed to the way that Britain has pitched for the Orioles, uh, I would be surprised if even if there were no single closer in Philadelphia, I'd be surprised if Britain got the bulk of the saves there. And this is all obviously speculation, <laughs> including speculation that Britain would be going to the Phillies. But given that there is some discussion between the two thing, two teams, it's something uh, to start thinking about if you are an owner of uh, either reliever. And as far as the, the Orioles are concerned, too, uh, it's not necessarily the safe thing to go and speculate on Brad Brock because I imagine if they can trade Britain, that the Orioles will probably find a taker for Brock as well. And then you're looking at, you know, maybe Michael Givens. Uh, I still have some hope uh just, you know, because I, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, that I, I uh, like him. And unfortunately, now I am unfortunately uh, blanking on the name of the young lefty that's been up and down this year for the Orioles. Uh, hopefully, you know who I'm talking about. But if not, uh, I'll uh, hopefully uh, get it together later. Tanner Scott, there we go. I don't know why that was such a hard name for me to remember. But, uh, you know, I think he could maybe be in that mix, depending on how many relievers the Orioles wind up trading. So. This is all going to play itself out over the next couple of weeks. In other closer news, uh, according to a tweet from the Tigers Public Relations Department, Shane Green is going to be reinstated from the DL prior to the Tigers game on Friday. So looks like that really was going to be a short stint as closer for Joe Jimenez. But I have received a couple of questions on Twitter about what to do with Jimenez. And I think, uh, you know, drop him. I because you know here we are it's July 12th so green could be traded in the next two to two and a half weeks and then Jimenez clearly is the next in line and I think could be very good uh, so hang on you know it could be less than two weeks could be a week who knows probably just long enough maybe for green to prove that he's going to be worthwhile to trade for so I imagine he will go right back into that closer's role. And if it goes well, I think he could be traded very quickly. So uh, don't drop Joe Jimenez if you don't absolutely have to. Uh, Steve Piscotti has been red hot, uh, but uh, unfortunately got hit by a pitch uh, in yesterday's game against uh, the Astros. 
And uh, the very good news is that uh, he had x-rays uh, that came back negative. And not only that, but uh, Biscotti in the lineup for the A's today. They are currently playing the Astros uh, and trailing them 2 nothing. Uh, but let's just take a quick look here. Piscotty's 0 for 2 so far in this game with a strikeout. Uh, the A's only have two hits combined, one uh, for uh, Simeon and uh, one for uh, Nick Martini. And uh, Astros up 2 nothing, but they actually just have one hit so far. But we'll, we'll go back and uh, check in on that game in a little bit. And also the Diamondbacks and Rockies are just underway as well. So kind of a light schedule today. And uh, a couple of day games to further dilute the uh, nighttime slate. We'll get back to uh, all of that in a little while, though. Going back to the A's, Matt Olson had been dealing with some back tightness, but he too is in the uh, A's lineup for this game. He's currently 0 for 1, so no worries there about Matt Olson. And Trevor Cahill is starting this game. He was activated earlier today, and uh, again, uh, they're, they're trailing 2 nothing, so both of those runs have been charged to Trevor Cahill, but he is uh, continuing to do do his job in the third inning there uh, against uh, the Astros, but it's been a little rough for Cahill so far. It is first start back uh, off the DL uh, with the Achilles injury. Yuena Cespedes has been taking grounders at first base, and he uh, may start a rehab assignment as soon as during the uh, upcoming All-Star break. So that uh, raises all kinds of possibilities uh, for the Mets and for uh, fantasy owners. Uh, if we get Cespedes at first base, I'm not really, you know, it doesn't necessarily solve the center field problem for the Mets, uh, but, you know, certainly whenever Jay Bruce comes back, then there's room for him to play. Um you know, or I'm not really sure again what they do about center field there. I guess maybe you know they make do with uh, Conforto and Nimmo, but uh, it certainly would uh, improve uh, the Mets lineup, uh, to say the least, if they were uh, able to do that. But uh, anyhow, uh, we'll see how quickly that uh, all progresses for uh, for you on Cespedes. And uh, going back to some trade talk here. The Astros have been in contact with the Rays about a possible Wilson Ramos trade. And as a Max Stacy owner in several leagues, uh, my only thought is no. <laughs> so uh, that could be really bad news for Max Stacy if they uh, get Wilson Ramos because his playing time obviously uh, gets cut dramatically if, uh, if that happens. Uh, the Red Sox have placed Rafael Devers on the 10-day DL that happened earlier on Wednesday. Uh, he's got left shoulder inflammation. The move is made retroactively to yesterday, July 11th. And the Red Sox have called up Sue Lin from Pawtucket to take his uh, spot on the roster. And, of course, uh, Red Sox have been in the market for a third baseman. Uh, so, you know, I'm not sure what awaits Devers whenever he does come off of the uh, – the DL, and of course, it's been a disappointing season uh, in his first full year in the majors. Uh, the Twins have placed Logan Morrison on the DL with a left hip impingement. It's also been a very disappointing season for Morrison, uh, so I haven't seen anything in terms of a timetable for him. Shelby Miller, it has not gone well for him. Of course, talked about that a great deal 
with Drew Digmeyer on yesterday's show with uh, Miller start coming up. We were both very pessimistic about it. Uh, it did go well for Miller, and it was also an early exit uh, because he was feeling tightness in his right elbow. And so earlier uh, today on Wednesday or on Thursday, excuse me, Miller was placed on the DL. Uh, and, but that was just a just a blowout uh, by the Rockies at Coors Field. And uh, the, the bullpen got emptied out very early. We saw a couple of innings from Daniel Descalso. We saw a couple of scoreless innings from Alex Avila. Actually, it didn't look bad. Uh, the Orioles, they've got a uh, pitching injury. They put Andrew Kashner on the DL with a neck strain. In a corresponding move, they called back up just a couple days after sending him down. Jeffrey Ramirez. And he will probably start on Saturday when the Orioles needed a starter anyway. But now they'll need a starter both on Saturday as well as Sunday when uh, Kashner was scheduled to make his start. So unless there's some kind of emergency situation where the Orioles need to use Ramirez in relief, uh, I think we're almost certainly going to see him make a second start this week. He made the, the start against the Yankees back on Monday. Uh, Jeffrey Ramirez. So, and I've talked about him a few times. Very intrigued. Getting tons of swings and misses. So we'll see how it goes uh, this weekend for Jeffrey Ramirez. So we got a few more uh, news items to get to. We'll check in with those games in progress, and we'll check in with the games that were played last night as well. Lots to get to there. So don't go anywhere. I'm going to be right back. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there, where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And as I said right before the break, got a few more News items to get you up to speed on. Got a bunch of uh, performances from last night to break down and analyze. Uh, also, right before my show uh, started here today, caught the end of the uh, uh, fancy BFFs and sound like uh, things are going a little better with the uh, trivia contest there. So uh, wish you all luck. You definitely need to take part in that. Um, and so uh, that'll be happening on this show uh, probably next week, I think. We'll uh, figure that one out. Uh, anyways, before we get back uh, to the action here, a uh, quick note here. Regards to rotoexperts.com, would you bake a cake without a recipe? Oh, yeah? Well, would you go to trial for public urination without a lawyer? That's right. Well, why would you go into your fantasy football draft then without the Roto Experts Exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package? We have a fantasy hall of famer and a number one overall football accuracy expert on staff, writing articles, compiling rankings, projecting 2018 statistics, and answering your pre-draft questions. Our company's been nominated for over 60 fantasy industry awards in the last three years. We are here to help you win. 
So go to rotoexperts.com, use the code WINNER to get 10% off, and give us the honor of leading you to fantasy glory with the exclusive edge fantasy football package. All righty. Uh, just like I said, a few other uh, items to catch you up on. Uh, the White Sox yesterday DFA'd Bruce Rondon. So, you know, if I was going to say that the uh, Ken Giles demotion was uh, a big nothing <laughs> in terms of fantasy, uh, yeah, this is even more of a nothing. Uh, but, again, uh, Bruce Rondon no longer uh, on the 49 roster for the White Sox. We've got some all-star updates here, first of all probably already aware of this, but Jesus Aguilar won the final vote in the NL. Uh, tough call there. I will uh, disclose, I did vote for Trey Turner. Uh, I just thought he should have been the starter instead of Brandon Crawford, but I uh, got Jesus Aguilar there. And again, there's, there's going to be injury replacements, and actually I've got a couple already I'm going to clue you in on. But uh, for the American League, Gene Segura won the final vote there. So he's now on the all-star roster. Now, in terms of the NL squad, there are a couple of replacements already and very deserving ones. Uh, Ross Stripling has replaced Miles Michaelis. And don't freak out about Michaelis. He just has to pitch on Sunday. So he's not going to be ready to pitch again on Tuesday. Same deal with John Lester. He's out of there, uh, no longer uh, going to participate in the all-star game because he's scheduled to start on Sunday. So Zach Granke is going to take his place. Uh, not Alex Avila. Uh, he's not going to be part of the uh, all-star bullpen there. Uh, but Zach Granke and Ross Stripling, uh, they're now going to be all-stars. So very, very cool. All right, let's, uh, as promised, let's check in with those two games in progress. So that uh, A's-Astros game is still 2 nothing Astros. Cahill's now completed three innings. He's given up the two runs, both earned. He's also walked three batters. That's the thing you worry about. With Trevor Cahill, he's uh, struck out a couple. And meanwhile, if you thought that the A's would be a nice strikeout matchup for Charlie Morton, it's looking like you were very right about that. Of course, Morton with the four shutout innings so far, as uh, we're uh, right now in the middle of the fourth inning. Uh, No runs on two hits, just one walk, and five big Ks for Charlie Morton uh, as he continues on with uh, his all-star season. So uh, let us uh, go back in time, a simpler time called uh, Wednesday night <laughs> when there were a bunch of games played, a few games uh, during the day as well. And, of course, there was the, the crazy uh, Rockies-Diamondbacks uh, game. Uh, if I went through everybody that was a stand-up performer in that game, uh, we'd be cutting over uh, into an extra hour here. So I'm not, not going to talk about too many players. Actually, I think I'm just really going to focus on one uh, from that game, although I've already talked about Alex Avila. But we also had a bunch of uh, two homer performances outside of that game as well. Jose Ramirez staying hot, and, you know, he's just great. Uh, top vote getter for the AL this year in the All-Star balloting. And he hit home runs number 26 and 27 uh, against the Reds. And that was something else that came up in yesterday's show, not particularly to Jose Ramirez, but to Tyler Maley, who I actually... <laughs> I actually was, I'll just say it, dumb enough to start him in one of my daily lineup leagues because he had been trending really well since the beginning of June. Uh, but as Drew Dinkmeyer pointed out on the show, and I didn't uh, have time to make the change, uh, I wish I had, uh, but he's got some real matchup issues, Maley. Really uh, does not do well against lefties, and that Reds lineup just crushed him. 
So that was a great call by Drew, Drew Dinkmeyer on yesterday's show. And Jose Ramirez, the standout performer there offensively uh, with the two home runs. Ozzy Albies continues to now um, build up some great stats against right-handed pitching, which wasn't really the case the first couple of months of the season. Uh, but uh, he had a couple of home runs against the Blue Jays on, uh, on Wednesday. And now uh, he's up to 20 home runs on the year, by the way. And now going back to June 1st, Albies has a 937 OPS, or if you prefer Woba, which actually I do, a 396 Woba. Either way you look at it, I think actually if you look at it in terms of Woba, it's even more impressive. But either way you look at it uh, against right-handers, those stats just against right-handers since June 1st, uh, there's no worries about Albies. He's been crushing lefties all along, and now he's got great stats against righties. So there's really not much more to say about Ozzy Albies because you're just going to Keep him in your lineup, and uh, he's going to uh, mash baseballs for you. So going back to that uh, Rockies Diamondbacks game, uh, if there's a key performer to hone in on there, I think it's Carlos Gonzalez. He had a two-homer game, numbers 9 and 10 for the season uh, for Cargo. And we'll go back to June 1st for him, too, just like we did for Ozzy Albies. Going back to June 1st, uh, Carlos Gonzalez hitting 296. So that's obviously a big upgrade from what he was doing earlier in the season. Five home runs. Okay, that's that's a nice pace. And nine doubles and a triple, just for good measure. So over the last uh, you know month, almost month and a half, for Carlos Gonzalez, some nice numbers overall. And if we go back for the full season and look at Cargo's home splits, because that's even in his best years, Gonzalez was not that great on the road. Uh, but he is putting up some classic home numbers this year, batting 320 with seven home runs uh, at Coors Field. And he's actually played a lot more on the road. He's accumulated a lot more playing time in away games. So those seven home runs uh, are actually a pretty nice ratio for him in terms of uh, his overall playing time at Coors Field. So I think Gonzalez is back to being somebody that you really can't ignore, at least in home stands. I, you know, it used to be sort of the conventional wisdom with, with Gonzalez was that, uh, you know, even when he was, you know, great. I mean, in a way, it's, it's sort of analogous to Ozzy Albies earlier this year that, okay, his numbers against righties were not the best, but the overall production was just so great that you had to start him no matter what. And I, that's how it used to be with Carlos Gonzalez in terms of home road splits, not so much lefty-righty. Uh, but I think now it's at the point where you could still kind of ignore him on the road, but at Coors Field you, you got to start him, and if he's available somehow, you got to get him uh, to stash and use for when the Rockies are at home. Mike Moustakis, we're still on the two-homer games here. Mike Moustakis had a two-homer game against the Twins. It's his uh, 18th and 19th home runs, three hits overall for Moustakis on Wednesday, and snapping a bad slide to begin the month of July. Uh, prior to Wednesday's game uh, in seven games in July, Moustakis was four for 29 with no walks and 10 strikeouts. So hopefully that's a turnaround for Moustakis, but I would not, uh, I've got him in, in the not new league, uh, which is daily lineup. So I'm, uh, I'm still going to be avoiding him for a little while until he heats up over a, a more extended period of time. Cause he's just, he's been on the Schneid for a while now, but it was really bad to start off uh, the month of July. Now that same game, Jake cave got a couple of hits, including his third triple, and what caught my eye, and I didn't realize this 
is that Cave is now batting 299. He's he's playing pretty close to every day now for the Twins while uh, Byron Buxton's in the minors. Uh, Cave has started 13 of the last 16 games, and I think 10 of those have been in center field. Never mind, I mean, where he's playing. Uh, he's playing pretty regularly at this point. And uh, there's some power there. Uh, you know, back when he was a Yankees farmhand, there was a bit of power. And we're seeing it uh, in a fairly limited number of plate appearances for uh, for Jake Cave. Uh, he's got a 6% soft contact rate. So, you know, whatever you're seeing from Cave now, obviously you know, you're going to see some regression as he gets more playing time. So I would expect him to maintain just a ridiculously low 6% soft contact rate. By the same token, probably don't expect him to maintain a 39% swing rate on pitches outside of the strike zone, which is pretty horrific. Uh, Eddie Rosario looks at that and says, man, you got some bad plate discipline. So uh, <laughs> I think uh, probably Cave is going to improve in that area, even if he regresses a little bit in terms of batting average and in terms of his power. So somebody in deep leagues to, to take a look at now that he's playing pretty much every day. Jason Hayward had been really hot uh, in June, but uh, just like Mike Moustakis, hasn't started off July in the best way. Maybe he's turning things around now because yesterday against the Giants, he had a sixth home run. He went three for six. But in the eight games in July prior to that, Hayward was four for 24, almost as bad as Moustakis went four for 29. Uh, But if you recall, I said for Moustakis, no walks, 10 strikeouts. For Hayward, three walks and only three strikeouts. So, you know, when you're looking at small samples like this, you know, batting average doesn't have a whole lot of meaning. And in some ways, I'm actually much more interested in that strikeout-to-walk ratio, and especially the strikeout-to-plate appearance ratio, which is, has been very good for Hayward uh, since the beginning of the month. So no really, no worries there. Uh, C.J. Crone, a little tough to figure him out. Uh, he started off the year great, went into a terrible cold snap, uh, particularly in June, but looking really good in July. Uh, he went three for four on Wednesday against the Tigers, hit his 18th homer of the year. So my uh, bold prediction of 35 homers is not totally out of reach, although I think he's a little behind pace at this point due to the, the bad month of June. Uh, so 18th homer, also his 17th double of the season on Wednesday. And now for the month of July, C.J. Crone is 13 for 28 with two homers and six doubles. So he's right hot. So I, I'm, I'm skeptical about Crone rest of season, but as a hot hand play, might as well. Might as well use C.J. Crone right now. Uh, I just will point out that part of that bold prediction that I've made, that I made at the beginning of the year, was based on the fact that Crone, particularly late last season, was hitting all kinds of fly balls. And so far this year, his ground ball rate is pretty normal, maybe just slightly low at 43%, but he's not he's not sold out for for power this year uh, in quite the same way. So I had a little bit of skepticism about the hot start for Crone because I just didn't think his raw power had improved that much to, to overcome the drop in the fly ball rate. But uh, he's hot right now, and he's, he's definitely had an up-and-down season. That's a little bit hard to, uh, to piece together. Uh, Chris Davis having a very weird string right now, uh, string of games, but overall good. Uh, he is now on a 13-game hit streak that he extended on Wednesday, going two for five with his 19th double uh, and his first triple of the year. 
And uh, why don't we go ahead and check in and see if uh, Chris Davis has been able to do anything against Charlie Morton. And, yes, he has walked today. So the hit streak, uh, not extended just yet for Chris Davis, but coming into this game over the 13 previous games uh, during the hit streak, Davis was batting 370, but only one home run. That's the part that makes it weird. And uh, that high batting average is really support seven BABIP. So it's a little bit of a fluky streak for Chris Davis. I certainly would like to see more power from him. That's just an odd thing for Chris Davis to uh, have an extended uh, power drought. But uh, I'm sure that that will come in time for him, even if the uh, 370 batting average uh, shrinks rapidly at some point. Uh, And finally, uh, Justin Smoke went yard uh, yesterday at Atlanta. That was his uh, 14th home run of the year. And so now Smoke has hit home runs in back-to-back games and three homers in his last five games. So sort of like with C.J. Crone, uh, very skeptical about Smoke. Uh, and whereas with Crone coming into the season, actually had some high hopes. And then when he wasn't hitting so many fly balls, I became a little skeptical. I was skeptical about Justin Smoke from the get-go this year. But I still think, as we saw last year, where he really half the season performed at just a whole different level. I mean, we, there's no reason why we can't see that from Smoke, and maybe we're seeing the beginning of it now with uh, three home runs over the last five games. So both he and C.J. Crone are some good uh, hot hand options at first base if uh, you know that's the sort of thing that you need. So uh, we've got a bunch of pitching uh, performances to get to as well. But at the beginning of the uh, segment here, I talked about the uh, the trivia challenge, the DKM, DKMS trivia challenge that they've been doing on uh, the fantasy BFFs. Uh, we'll also listen to game time decisions with Gabe Morenci and Cam Stewart between 4 p.m. and 7 p.m. Eastern today. So that's right after this show as they, too, they will be playing the DKMS trivia challenge. All you have to do is get four baseball trivia questions correct and you will win two tickets to a 2018 World Series game. The contest is sponsored by DKMS, who are looking for your help in the fight against blood cancer. For many patients, a bone marrow transplant is the best chance for survival. And while 30% of patients can find a matching donor in their families, 70% or nearly 14,000 people each year must rely on a benevolent stranger to step up and donate. So find out how you can help the cause. Go to dailyroto.com slash DKMS. That's dailyroto.com slash DKMS. And the number to play, because, again, this is coming up right in the next hour if you're listening to me live right now, the number to play is 844-843-6879. That's 844-843-FNTSY. It's the DKMS Trivia Challenge on game time decisions between 4 and 7 Eastern today. Get ready because you got to call in and win, want to see you win the trivia challenge. That would be awesome. So, uh, well, we got to uh, head to break here in just a moment. So those uh, pitchers are going to have to wait until the next segment. We'll talk about Marco Gonzalez's last great start, which was just yesterday. Luke Weaver maybe turning things around. Sonny Gray. Who would have thought Sonny Gray with a great start? We'll talk about that, too. whole bunch of other pitchers and talk about a few players that maybe are due for some more playing time down the road. But right now, we got to go to this break. I'll be right back on the other side. Hey. 
Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior. Thank you so much for joining in uh, for today's show. We've got uh, a few lineups in for the nighttime slate, so we'll uh, take a look at those. We'll take a look at some of the pitchers that I mentioned just before the break. Uh, one of the players that I wanted to highlight uh, as somebody who might be able to get some playing time down the stretch, just homered. So uh, if you're not tuned into that uh, Astros game, uh, well, I'll keep you in suspense for a little while. Anyway, um, we'll get, be getting to all that. Uh, but if you enjoy playing daily fantasy sports, but you are just sick of dealing with professionals using algorithms to select hundreds of lineups and entries, try the Props Builder tool at mybookie.ag. Forget having to create multiple lineups, ditch the hassle of dealing with late scratches, and avoid experts winning 90% of the money. Invest in the players that you want without salary caps. And if you sign up for a new account using the promo code FNTSY, you can elect an option to receive a 50% deposit bonus with a rollover requirement. No more dealing with late lineup scratches. No experts to compete against. It's just you and the prop that you choose. Go to mybookie.ag, enter the promo code FNTSY upon sign up, and choose your matchups using the Props Builder tool. That's mybookie.ag, promo code FNTSY. All righty. Uh, so uh, we do have a bunch of pitching performances that I think are it's worth our time to break those down. Uh, but, uh, oh, yeah, I do want to get to the lineups first because I'm sure you, like I do, uh, have some tinkering to do with your uh, daily lineup leagues. So uh, with the uh, Phillies, they've got the DH. Uh, they've got, by the way, a 6.05 Eastern start at Camden Yards against the Orioles. It's uh, Nick Pavetta and Kevin Gosman, a couple of guys who uh, sometimes uh, let the ball fly. So maybe a lot of offense there. Uh, but as far as the Phillies go, uh, because they have the DH, they were able to get Aaron Altair into the lineup. Has not been playing much at all. Uh, he's pretty much out of that outfield rotation. But Reese Hoskins is DHing, so you'll have uh, Nick Williams and Aaron Altair in the corners, and of course Odubel uh, Herrera uh, playing center field. As for the Orioles, nothing too unusual there. No lineups yet for Brewers Pirates, but the Brewers did activate Wade Miley, so Miley, Miley will be making that start against the Pirates, who will be sending Jamison Tyone to the mound. Uh, we then have uh, Yankees Indians Severino and Kluber. That should be awesome. No Yankees lineup yet, and uh, the Indians lineup looks like the usual Indians lineup. We got a pair of lefties going at Fenway Park. Jay Happ for the Blue Jays, David Price for the Red Sox, and Red Sox with a very different looking lineup. First of all, because Rafael Devers is out, so you've got Eduardo Nunez playing third base and batting seventh, and then you've got Steve Pearson there and uh, hitting cleanup playing first base, so uh, no Mitch Moreland for the Boston Red Sox. 
We've got uh, Max Scherzer and Steven Matz, Nationals Mets at City Field. And uh, so for the Nationals, Michael Taylor getting his customary start against a lefty in place of Adam Eaton. So Taylor will be in center field batting seventh. And uh, another start for Matt Dendecker in center field for uh, the Mets in that one. Oh, and as Dribble Cabrera is back, and he's at second base batting uh, batting second. And Jose Bautista, didn't notice this before. Uh, not a surprise that he's in the lineup, but he's playing third base tonight for the Mets. And that's all we got. Uh, and as far as weather goes, it's been a while since uh, we've had a weather concern, but according to the forecast here on the Roto Grinders weather uh, portion of the website, looks pretty bad in Minnesota. Uh, target field, 59% chance of precipitation at first pitch and pretty much hovering in that 50%-ish range for several hours. So that one is in doubt, which is unfortunate because that's a nice uh, matchup there with Blake Snell and Kyle Gibson. Don't have uh, lineups for that one, but you may just want to skip that one anyway. And then we've got a couple of West Coast games, Mariners-Angels, that's uh, James Paxton, Tyler Skaggs, and then Dodgers-Padres, Ross Stripling, the newly minted All-Star, and Tyson Ross. All right, so let's go back to yesterday's games again and take a look at some of the pitching performances. Carlos Rodon with a good one, a reassuring one against the Cardinals. Seven and a third scoreless innings. Uh, But the thing that's really nice to see there is just two walks for Rodon, whose control has been inconsistent, I think we could probably just say charitably. Uh, Only three hits allowed and seven strikeouts. So uh, I think we need to see another good start or two from Rodon before we can trust him. But you got to... You know, got to build that uh, good streak one start at a time. So it's good for him. And Luke Weaver, uh, another nice start for him against the White Sox. Andrew Dinkmeyer pretty much called that one and said that it was really more about the matchup than about Weaver per se, but just gave up one run in six innings with seven strikeouts. Marco Gonzalez, uh, this one looked like it was a pretty good matchup for him. Uh, he's been good at home. He's been good generally in pitcher-friendly venues, and Angel Stadium certainly qualifies as that. Didn't necessarily look like a great matchup, however, in terms of strikeouts. Angels have a pretty selective lineup. Uh, so while Gonzalez, really his strong suit this season, has been uh, the swing rate on pitches out of the zone and getting chases, uh, that rate at 34% on the season – in his last two starts, both of which were against the Angels, that rate was below 29% for both of those two most recent starts. Never mind that. Only four strikeouts against the Angels on Wednesday night, but Gonzalez, seven shutout innings, no walks, uh, and only two hits allowed. So you certainly will take that even with just the four strikeouts. I've talked about Shelby Miller and his trip to the DL, his injury, the poor start from him. Uh, what I neglected to talk about earlier in the show was Herman Marquez having a, a rare good start at home. And I really don't know what to make of it uh, other than just maybe it's just a random good start. But uh, only two runs allowed over six innings for Marquez at Coors Field against the Diamondbacks. Uh, eight strikeouts. Uh, and he also hit a home run off of Daniel Descalso. So a great, literally filling up the box score, a great all-around game for Herman Marquez. But got to admit, still not trusting him at home just yet. And likewise, maybe not trusting Sonny Gray entirely just yet, but he did look like somebody that might have been due for a little bit of Babbitt progression. 
and uh, he got some of that against the Orioles, six scoreless innings, 8K. So he also did a good job of missing bats. Just one walk for Sonny Gray, just three hits, six scoreless innings. Uh, he does have a 328 BABIP allowed. However, his ex-BABIP is 341. <laughs> That's not the news you want to see. But I still think that Gray who all along, even the season, has been very good at getting weak ground ball contact. I think uh, that all the line drives that have been hurting him, that's something that, uh, you know, that line drive rate is takes a long time to stabilize. And I, I just think there's going to be some regression there, some, some positive regression for uh, Sonny Gray in the BABIP rate and in the line drive rate. Vince Velasquez did his start back off of the DL against the Mets. Six scoreless innings, only two hits and a walk. However, only three Ks for Velasquez, but always good to see the walk uh, total down for Velasquez. And Dan Straley uh, starting to turn his season around for the Marlins. Uh, actually outpitched Freddie Peralta. Straley went six innings, two runs on four hits, uh, and only one of those runs was earned for Straley. Seven strikeouts, two walks. And this is now the fourth consecutive quality start for Dan Straley, and over those four starts, cumulatively, a 3.20 ERA, 21 strikeouts in 25 and a third innings, which is, you know, it's okay, but I have to say a little bit disappointing, because the thing I liked about Straley when the Marlins got him was that in the prior year with the Reds, he really became a a better strikeout pitcher, and just kind of a mediocre strikeout rate for for Straley, Uh, nine walks over the 25 and a third, so that's you know, also sort of mediocre, uh, but only two home runs allowed. So if there were a part of that stat line over the last four starts that you would have thought maybe was going to be questionable, it'd be the home runs. Cause that's just what Dan Sterling does. He's a fly ball pitcher, but uh, only two homers also two twenty nine Babbitt. So a bit of smoke and mirrors there for Sterling. Although uh, I would expect him to be a better than average Babbitt pitcher, just not two twenty nine good uh, for Straley. So I'm not that heartened by this re- recent uh, string of good starts by Dan Straley. As for Peralta, Freddie Peralta uh, didn't even make it through the fourth inning. Three and two-thirds, three runs, three hits, three walks. There's the key number right there for Peralta. Three walks and three and two-thirds innings. Four strikeouts. That was another good uh, Drew Dickmeyer call uh, saying that the ump was going to be unfavorable for Peralta, who uh, doesn't always have the greatest controller command. Uh, so that was uh, exactly what happened there with uh, Freddie Peralta on Wednesday. And I already mentioned the Tyler Maley disaster, uh, part of just a bigger disaster for the Reds against the Indians. Uh, only lasted two and a third. Seven runs on six hits. Uh, five runs were earned. One strikeout, two walks. Just a miserable start for Maley. So pick your matchups carefully with him because he can be good, but he is definitely not must start uh that is for sure so uh i teased uh, at the beginning of the segment that i said in, in one of the games in progress and actually i gave it away as the uh astros a's game there was a home run that provides me with a nice segue to talk about some players who i think maybe uh <laughs> with a little bit of luck maybe can have some value down the stretch and the player i'm referring to is tony kemp and probably not, uh, I mean, if you looked at the box score, you figured it out. But certainly not the guy that you would look to for a, a big burst of power. But Kemp has been getting some you know, sporadic play. Um, 
not quite regular, but you know, not quite uh, warming the bench on a regular basis either. But uh, Kemp has is, is really done well with the playing time uh, that he's gotten. Entering this game today against the A's, Kemp was batting 294 with a 386 on base percentage. So, yeah, this is just his third home run of the season, but uh, an excellent strikeout to walk ratio, actually more walks than strikeouts, a 12.2% walk rate for Kemp, just a 9.9 strikeout rate. And for the most part, through his minor and major league careers, uh, Kemp has been very, very stingy with striking out. Good contact hitter, and uh, this year really has improved the plate discipline. Uh, So good OBP, getting some steals. So, you know, even if he's not playing every day, down the road, Kemp might be somebody that you'd pick up for steals. And then when he does play, whether it's a batting average league or an on-base percentage league, he's not going to hurt you in that that category or either of those categories. Um, You know, I think he can, he's not doing this with some kind of wild BABIP. Uh, He's got a 316 BABIP rate, you know, which for somebody who uh, tends to hit a lot of line drives and uses speed, uh, I mean, there might actually be some batting average and on-base percentage upside for Tony Kemp. You know, problem is that the Astros have this crowded outfield situation. So, you know, when we talk about players that have good skill sets, but they're just buried, I mean, typically it's either you're looking at a trade to open up a spot or maybe an injury. And when you're talking about Josh Reddick uh, or George Springer, I mean, that's a, that's a possibility. I mean, these are guys that, you know, are are not unfamiliar with the DL, and certainly, um, you know, you don't want to see that happen. But and the other potential path here is that Kyle Tucker's been a little – I mean, we're talking very small sample here, but Kyle Tucker's been a little slow out of the gate in his first few major league games. And, yes, I instantly thought, and maybe you thought this too, uh, that you thought of Alex Bregman when he first got called up just a little over two years ago, and was just terrible at the plate initially. But A.J. Hinch kept going to him, and he got hot, and he's been great ever since pretty much, Alex Bregman. So I'm I'm not saying that this is, you know, go pick up Tony Kemp because I think that Kyle Tucker is destined to fail and Kemp's going to pick up all this playing time. I mean, these are all just potential scenarios that may or may not play out. In all probability, probably none of these will play out, but... Uh, Kemp is just somebody to keep your eye on, maybe stash in a deep league just in the event that somehow he does get playing time because he can help pretty much everywhere uh, except, you know, with uh, with home run power. And uh, another player that I've mentioned on the show already is Michael Taylor, who's really, you know, having a nice season, uh, you know, except for the fact that now he's lost a lot of playing time with the return of uh, of Adam Eaton, but you know, even so, they're they're you know, Taylor's getting his starts against lefties. Uh, the overall stats actually don't look that great, but he had a really nice surge right before Eaton came back, and even with kind of limited playing time, uh, he's got twenty three stolen bases. So sort of similar to Kemp in that sense that even with just you know really maybe half time at best, Taylor can still help you with stolen bases. Uh, certainly a little bit more power potential there for Michael Taylor. On the other hand, less upside in terms of batting average and on-base percentage. So uh, I'd say Taylor and Kemp, both guys, uh, particularly deeper leagues, to keep around for the stolen bases. But 
depending on what your other categorical needs are, that may determine which one you target. You know, if you need OBP or, or batting average more, Kemp's probably more likely uh, the guy that you want. And a couple of catchers, just to wind things up here. Uh, Elias Diaz, and I feel like I've talked about him a lot lately. Uh, and now, of course, we have Francisco Cervelli back off the DL. But I wouldn't be surprised if he could stay healthy over the next couple of weeks to see Cervelli traded. And that would just open up t- uh, some playing time for Diaz, who, uh, while Cervelli was on the DL, uh, produced really nicely and showed some power that I didn't really realize that he had. Uh, but he's hit seven home runs and 159 plate appearances. He's batting 290. And again, he's not doing it with a crazy BABIP. He's doing it by just not striking out very much. So keep an eye on that one, whether it's uh, a health issue for Cervelli. Again, he's had his share of those. Or uh, or a trade. Uh, Diaz is somebody who I think could be relevant, maybe on the fringes of one-catcher leagues and definitely uh, in, in two-catcher leagues. And then Nick Hundley, I'm not really sure where the playing time comes for, for him. But at AT&T Park, uh, as his home park, he's having a nice power season with the uh, the playing time that he has received. And, and actually, it really goes back to last season when he hit nine home runs. Hundley's already got eight home runs, and he's just made 150 plate appearances. So, you know, maybe I know there's, you know, power hitting catchers all over the place, but Hundley's got maybe a little bit more upside for batting average than your, you know, your Robinson Chirinos type. So, again, I don't know where the playing time comes uh, for him, but uh, just another player maybe to uh, keep your eyes on uh, as we head towards the the trade deadline. So on that note, uh, ready to uh, wind it up here. Thank you so much for uh, tuning in and uh, be back here same time tomorrow, same place, and uh, get you ready for the weekend and the all-star break. So have a great evening, everybody, and uh, see you soon. Take care.